Dave and Ryan's movie review, take one, and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by nobody. Hey there, Dave and Ryan, ready to spend some time with you talking about movies. And, you know, we we went and saw some pretty good ones so far. We've had some pretty good summer movies so far. Um, and, Ryan, what, what do you think is your favorite so far this summer? My favorite movie so far would probably have to be Super Mario. Super Mario was a pretty good one. It was yeah. a pretty good one. We're going to get into more movies as the day progresses. But right now, let's go This Week in Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, the place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so this one was first up, and we talked about this before. Uh, when we did our inter- our review of Fast X, I felt like... Jason Momoa saved the movie. Oh, he was amazing in it. Probably the best part of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, now Vin Diesel comes out and says that um, he overacted, and he is probably the main reason that it got such a critical review. Vin Diesel said someone overacted. That's very true. Was I, he looking in the mirror when he said that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And this is not the first time that we've had problems with Vin Diesel and other cast members. Um, apparently, uh, you know, everybody's heard about the big Dwayne Johnson, the rock kind of blow up. Mm-hmm. And they have gotten back together, apparently, and they're good now, is what I am hearing. Well, let's hope so. You know, if it just seems that if the spotlight's not on him, it's everyone else's fault. Right. And here's a quote from, of course, someone that doesn't want to be named. Uh, Jason knows he's the flavor of the moment and Vin's jealous of him. But... He doesn't appreciate Vin trying to poison the public against him, and this has the potential to be Hollywood's biggest feud. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, if he's not the center of attention, or if he's not in the news, he's irrelevant. He's got to keep it that way. Yeah. So, And anytime you can blame a stinker on somebody else, why not? Yeah, especially since he's like the main reason everyone went to go see that movie. Right. All right, and then another really quick movie news. Um, you know, this one kind of floored me. Uh, Will Ferrell is set to play John Madden in a movie. I cannot see that at all. Oh my! Will Ferrell is. Don't get me wrong. Will Ferrell is a good actor, but his serious roles, no, just just no. All right, and the movie is supposed to kind of focus on um, John Madden's relationship with Raider owner Al Davis and how he kind of you know pivoted and created a whole nother career for himself after coaching. So we'll see how that goes with Will Ferrell as John Madden. I'm still trying to figure this one out. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, but I'm not expecting much from it. There you go. (laughs) All right, another thing we need to talk about is the new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out on June 30th. And, of course, we here at Castle Country Radio have got him covered. I'm looking very, very forward to seeing that movie. Um, The last one, I wasn't a big fan of it. Hopefully this one, you know, 
steps up. Tickets are available right now at Castle Country Radio. Here's the rundown. $10, all seats reserved, okay? If you want the VIP treatment, all you got to do is come in, and that's $30. You're going to get the movies. You're going to get a popcorn tub, a T-shirt, and... You're going to get lunch from Rubens. Oh, I love Rubens. You can't beat that, can you? No, I'm definitely getting the VIP pass for me. So head on down today to Castle Country Radio, and uh, let's get your tickets and get lined up, and uh, let's make everybody happy. This is going to be a fun movie. I'm oh, yeah. really looking forward to this one. And once again, that's on June 30th. All right, today's show, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We got the chance to go see this one, and uh, Ryan and I will give you our movie review of this one. I Somewhat enjoyed it. I'll put it that way. It was good. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into that. And then, of course, the other one is The Little Mermaid hit theaters last week. And was it a success? Was it a failure? And we're going to go according to, you know, the the court of public opinion. And also, what does Disney think about this one? I, I'm interested to get your take on this and see how that went. And then we're going to wrap up the day with too many sequels, you know. There are family members that stick around way too long. Yes. And there are movie franchises that have done the same. So we have a lot of that coming up. We're going to talk about those things as well. Uh, We have more coming up. But first, how about an honest movie review right here? Welcome into another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 1997. It's the American epic romance and disaster film, Titanic. Listen to me. I've got you. I won't let go. Titanic was called the ship of dreams. And it was. It really was. Do you trust me? I trust you. While watching this James Cameron masterpiece, I thought out loud, will the damn boat just hurry and sink? I have to pee. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one, action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, now playing nationwide. So we went and saw this movie on Thursday, and I had to go back and revisit the first one, which was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And the animation at the time, it, I think, was one of the main reasons that people really enjoyed this movie. Oh, yeah. It, it combined a different types of animation, depending on the Spider-Man that was uh, on screen at the time. Um, like, you had Spider-Pig. You had the uh, the dark one. I can't remember his exact Noir. Name. Yes. You know, so, yeah, you know, uh, and with this movie, they did a lot more animation styles, which 
honestly, at the beginning of the movie, I just didn't like it. Right. And the story itself follows the story of Miles Morales. And we were just kind of told the other day, it kind of came out that uh, Miles Morales is going to be getting a live action Spider-Man movie eventually. So that's, I know, one that a lot of people have waited for because it's a great story. It, it really is. So the second one is kind of a continuation of the first one, as it should be, but it, it felt it felt really disjointed to me. Yeah, um, the story it didn't you know it seemed kind of forced on people. Um, you can easily tell who the bad guy was at the very beginning. There was no originality in this. It's you know, it, you know, it's Spider Man. You know, all the stories basically the same, and they cover that in this movie about his story. They truly do. And the one thing that we mentioned, and and we're gonna go see that movie eventually too is this is a good movie to go see if you're excited to go see the Flash movie because it explains multiverses. Yeah, but no one's really excited to see the Flash. We'll talk about that later. But the <laughs> thing about this movie is it it breaks down, like you said, kind of, well, and they even refer to it as that Spider-Man canon. Yeah. There are certain things that happen to have to happen in a Spider-Man's life and you take one of those away, and everything kind of just goes askew. Yeah, everyone knows the story of Spider-Man. Um, somebody dies, and he be, that's when he steps up to become the hero, Spider-Man. And they, they cover that in this movie uh, in multiple different ways, which is was exciting to see all the different Spider-Mans and their kind of origin stories and how all of them went through the same thing. And so that's why they're kind of coming together. But... It's also kind of like, you know, singling one out for no reason because the main villain didn't like him sort of thing. Yeah, and we talked about this as well. One of the things we were discussing was the fact that maybe the first 15, 20 movie, minutes of this movie is pretty hard to watch on the eyes. Yeah, you can go ahead and you know stand in line for the concession stands for the first 12 minutes, I think. But the reason that they did it, and it's it's actually kind of cool. It goes back to the first one. Uh, every universe kind of has a different type of animation in it. Yeah. And like I said, with the animation in this one, it didn't really work at the beginning. But later on, about, about halfway through, the animation actually started to work with the story. Because there wasn't really a story until about halfway through the movie. And, and that was what bothered me about the movie was the fact that it just... It is probably one of the slowest moving movies that I have ever watched. But once it gets going, it gets going. Yeah, it just, you know, climbing up that hill, you know, to get to go on the roller coaster. It's so long and sluggish. And you're just like, why did I come see this? Movie? Right. And that was one thing that I liked about the uh, the first Tom Holland movie, Homecoming. Was that they didn't worry about the backstory. You knew the backstory yeah, you already. You already knew the backstory. There was no reason to go back and retell that. And and this one kind of dug back and went into that. And and I felt that's kind of what bogged the movie down at the beginning of it. And then once it got going, maybe around the second act, it really kind of just whoosh, and it went. I don't yeah. know how you felt about it. Plus, let's talk about how you feel more from a, a cinematography standpoint and you know. Do we even have cinematography and animation? There is. There is. You know, um, a lot of people don't think there is, but, you know, uh, with the drawing, there's still, you know, art concept and everything, which follows in the cinematography realm and the lighting and everything of all the characters. And with this, what was great about this one, not only was there animated characters in there, but there was live action people in there as well. Yeah. And you're going to recognize every single one of the live action ones. 
Yeah, there there was one person I knew who he was, but I didn't know what character he played, and you actually filled me in on that. Yeah, one. kind of a kind of a cool little Easter egg, and I don't think we're giving away a spoiler if we talk about it. What do you think? Um, not necessary. Uh, he was in. You said he was in the spot. He was in. He was in the first one. He was in Homecoming with Michael Keaton as the Vulture and everything, yeah. and and that was the one. It was Donald Glover is yes. in this, and he was a bad guy in this. Yep, and. There were stories when that movie came out that he was Miles Morales's uncle in that movie. So it's, it's kind of an interesting little Easter egg to keep an eye out. But yeah, you'll see other people that have been in other Spider-Man movies. I'll leave it at that. Yep. Um, no end or middle credit scene to this one is straightforward. Uh, the other thing about this movie, too, is you're going to have to wait until March of next year for this to wrap up. Oh, yeah. Why not? They did leave a pretty good, uh, I wouldn't say a cliffhanger, but they definitely set up for the second movie. So hopefully it'll, the animation will be better than <laughs> this, this one. Because, yeah. You never know. You never know. And the animation style is still the same. We had to wait five years for this one. Yeah. And thankfully they got together and said, hey, you know what? Why don't we just hire a few more people and knock out two movies at the same time? Exactly. And like like we said, you know, this this movie, it wasn't targeted for you and me i'm it's old de- yeah it's he's he's really old people like old but this movie's targeted for like teenagers between i'd say 12 to 18 anybody that is used and that that was the one thing too that kind of drove me nuts about it a little was it, it a lot of fast action oh my goodness oh a yeah fast the, the the scene uh where he's trying to get away from all everyone yeah that was a really good scene um, it was, and, and that's the other thing, too, is that scene alone makes you appreciate animators. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because, you know, olden days, you know, they had to draw out every single frame, and now everything's, you know, computer. So it's a lot easier for animators now than it was back then. It's just layers upon layers upon yes. layers upon layers. But there's, It's still so in-depth. Yes. And the other thing about this one, too, uh, you're going to hear voices and you're going to be like, who is that? I know who that is. Um, Andy Samberg is in this movie. Yep. Uh, as is Oscar Isaac. That was one that kind of threw me. Uh, he's in this one as well. But you're going to learn all about all the different Spider-Men that are out there. You get to go to Spider-Man HQ, which yes. is quite unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, if you've seen the Spider-Man meme when he's pointing at like two other Spider-Mans, that that's in this movie and it's just hilarious. It is, and once again, this movie, uh, you know what? It it didn't light all the everything for me. It didn't flip all my switches, so to speak. I actually had to give this one two and a half popcorn tubs. Yeah, and like I like you said, it's it wasn't really that great for me but i'd still give it you know i gave it three popcorn buckets because it's still a good story arc um even though the animation was kind of over the top at the beginning so it you know it's for the age range that it's shooting for i think it'll do great it is if, if you uh, have seen the spider-verse movie the first one it you'll like this one um i i think that the story uh, at one point i turned to you during the movie though and i kind of looked at you and i said I feel like the animation really they felt was going to drive the show itself. So they didn't spend a lot of time getting into development of character and those kinds of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, there was besides um, Miles and Gwen, there really wasn't a whole lot of character development uh, with the other characters. Um, 
good point on this one is at the end of the movie, uh, some characters from the other movie make another appearance. Yes, so you know that you will see them in the third one, which is going to be called, I I believe it's Beyond the Spider-Verse, and that will be hitting theaters in March of next year. So we've got that to look forward to as well. Um, Another movie that comes out this week that's going to be at the King Cole Theater is The Boogeyman. And Ryan doesn't like scary movies. Not at all, no. But this one looks really good. I've heard great things about it. Plus, it's a Stephen King story. And? How can you go wrong? You can go wrong a lot of ways. (laughs) Not a big Stephen King fan? There are some movies that are right, but I'm just horror genre in general. Most of the time, I I find it unnecessary or funny. Like, if you've ever seen uh, Jaws 2, I thought that was hilarious. What was that? funny though or was it because it was so bad it was funny it was so bad it was funny like when she pours the gasoline on herself and then shoots the shark with the flare gun yeah who does that apparently this lady in that movie yeah and it worked so but uh no it looks really good it's stephen king movie as i said hearing the right things about this one that one is at the king cole theater uh don't forget to go see kandahar's at the price theater this one looked really good Uh, i would like to get a little more information on that one with gerard butler and the little mermaid is still at the king cole theater as well and we're gonna be talking about the little mermaid coming up here in just a moment that's the thing about the little mermaid you know It did fabulous. It did exactly what people thought it was going to do. But by Disney standards, is it still a good movie? Is it a success or is it a box office bust? And we're going to do some compare and contrasts here and talk about the movie. We're going to dig into like, you know, budgets and and how much the movies made and then how much uh, what the Rotten Tomatoes scores were. So we're going to talk about all that coming up in just a moment. Hey, idiots, we're back from commercial. Quiet on the sets. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. Aw, The Little Mermaid. It's been 34 years since Walt Disney Pictures introduced us to the now-beloved animated classic. But, as Bobby Iger is our witness... It seems the only things we can be sure of is death, taxes, and an unending slew of soulless live-action remakes. Does Disney's latest attempt rival the untouchable classic, or does it belong with Bob Shapik in Disney's Hall of Shame? Well, that remains to be seen still. This is only like the second week that Little Mermaid has been out. Um, I think it was a success as far as the opening weekend, Ryan. Let's let's go over some numbers, and then let's dive into the Little Mermaid before we start comparing it to the other live-action remakes. Yeah, um, so this movie had a budget of $250 million. Uh, opening weekend, it made $95.5 million. That's roughly the difference of around 155 million uh domestically it did around 118 million worldwide 186 and that's not a bad open no this was the fifth biggest memorial day opening ever ever and and, you know you've got the other ones here but and let's talk about those Uh, top gun maverick that just came out last year yeah the other ones are older movies and we we of course know what happened with covid and the movies kind of just kind of went away for a little while there so to to be number five on that list that's pretty impressive to make that list yeah and you know this this movie had a great great um director 
cinematographer, and even editor. You know, it was directed by uh, Rob Marshall, who did uh, Chicago, Memories of Geisha, Pirates on Stranger Tides, Into the Woods. Uh, the cinematographer, Dion Beebe, was, he also did Mary Poppins, 13 Hours, which is a great movie, Into the Woods, and Edge of Tomorrow, Gangster Squad. And it was edited by Wyatt Smith, who did uh, Mary Poppins, Doctor Strange, Alice Through the Looking Glass, and 300 Rise of an Empire. So it had a great... Great technical staff. On so this. as far as the technical staff went, they they had a pretty good crew there. Oh yeah, uh, they kind of put a a group together as far as the cast is concerned. Uh, now Holly Bailey was of course Ariel, and she was only in what was that Last Holidays, maybe where people would remember her from. Yeah, she's she's more known more uh, for singing than she is acting, but I think she did a great job. Uh, Johan Howard King was Eric. Interesting choice. Yeah, uh, he's known for the TV show Little Women back in 2017. And Melissa McCarthy. Now, the thing about her is she has that line, okay? You either really, really like Melissa McCarthy and you'll go see everything that she's in, or you really, really don't like her. I'm on the don't really like her. She's the same person in every movie. She's like, like Will Ferrell in every movie. But... I will have to say, she actually did a good job in this one. She did pretty good in this one. And then, of course, King Triton was Javier Bardem. And a lot of people remember and know Javier Bardem. He's he's a pretty 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 good actor, I think. Don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh trust me. Dave was, during the whole movie, he was like, I hope we get to see his nipples. And I was like, oh, Dave. Well, there was that. But that's another story. That's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, you know, the, the story, basically the same. Not much changed in this one. Um the production, we knew it was going to look good because it was a Disney movie. Yep. They would settle for nothing less. With a budget of $250 million, it better look good. Kind of had to. There was a little stigma. You know, everybody was kind of really worried about what was going to happen and those kinds of things because of the fact that we had to make changes. Um, they, you know, everybody, one of the things that they clamored about was the fact that they changed Kiss the Girl. I didn't even notice it. I didn't notice at all. But, you know, like you said, there was a stigma around it, but I think it was just more hogwash than anything. Right. So now let's kind of look at some of the other, uh, you know, live action remakes that they've done. Of course, number one, top of the mountain for Disney when it came to live action remakes was The Lion King. That came out in 2019. And it pulled in $543 million on a $260 million budget. Yeah, I honestly didn't see this one. I had no... I don't really like the story of The Lion King, but that's just me. I know a lot of people do, so don't jump on me on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, you know, and then Beauty and the Beast is second there. Uh, with uh, $504 million with a budget of 160. Uh, that one I did see, and I thought it was I thought it was good. Well, we got to step back to Lion King. Was not one of my favorites. No, I liked the animated feature better than this one. It was okay. It still had all the characters and things like that. There were subtle changes made, and I didn't care for some of the subtle changes. Uh, the other thing we need to look at too, because we said we would talk about that, is the critic score. When the Lion King came out, they blasted. The Lion King critics did 52% on Rotten Tomatoes audiences loved it of course and that's kind of where I base movies on whether I'm going to go see them or not I don't worry about the critics I worry about what other audience members see and they loved that one uh, same with Beauty and the Beast not as harsh on that one a 71% critic score and they had a 80% uh, Rotten Tomatoes score this one so far and there's been some a little controversy about the the scoring on the Little Mermaid. 
um, because IMDb has come out and said, and this just came out like Wednesday, I think. IMDb said that the website has been hit by what they like to refer to as review bombers. And I, I don't understand these well, people. Let's, let's call them there. Haters. No, I, and I don't understand them. You know what? If you don't like something, just don't go see it. Uh, but IMDb had this to say. Our rating mechanism has detected unusual voting activity on this title to preserve the reliability of our rating system. An alternate weighting calculation has been applied. So... I don't know how they know this. I, I don't know if it's an algorithm or something like that. But uh, initial reviews of The Little Mermaid when it first came out, I mean, we're talking, I believe, about a 95% audience score. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great movie. You know, but there, you know, haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. The only thing, and, and they, they have an asterisk by this, because the only thing that has, been, has had a higher score than that was uh, Cruella. But... They don't classify that as a live-action remake because it was actually a prequel. Really? Yeah. There's subtleties to everything, I guess, that Disney does. So you've got to take that away. But Cruella had a 97% audience score. And that was during times when theaters were shut down. Yeah, and I once again, I haven't seen that one. That's the one with... With uh, Emma Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good. My daughter saw this one. She loved every minute of it. Great, great movie. At the other end of the spectrum... We have Disney, and Disney is right now really trying to find their self again. Yeah. They've been through a lot with a lot of big CEO changes and changing this and changing that. Um, will this be a success as far as Disney is concerned? I think it's going to be borderline. I, I really do. But the thing about Disney is they still have lots and lots of aerial things in the parks. Oh, yeah. They're definitely definitely not going to be, by Disney standards, a great success. But I think it'll do good. And, you know, they're still going to milk all they can out of this with toys and uh, uh, soundtracks and all the other things and come to the park and see Ariel. Yeah, and they've already got that set up. Yeah. Uh, they just were talking about it online the other day. The new Ariel meet and greets are in place and ready to roll. So maybe... They will not let it fail. Let's try that. Yeah, it's hard to impress the mouse, but yeah. And if I remember, you said the mixer dads with daughters to go see it. Yeah, this is a this is a girl dad movie. It really is. So you got to go see this one. Um, yeah, it's going to tug. It'll tug at those heartstrings. I promise that. All right, coming up, we're going to do our too many sequels, right? As There's always movies that have way too many sequels, and we think we've picked out a couple of franchises that are going to be, you know, I hope we agree with them because I think they're both pretty good ones. We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute. All right, imbeciles, everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three. And action. Don't stop me if you've heard this before. An original movie comes out and it does very well financially and critically. Yahoo! Studio executives become excited and they immediately want to nope that cow. But instead of producing more milk, they produce cow crap. And while Dave and Ryan have nothing better to do than watch movies, apparently they have no time for... Too many sequels. 
there are movies out there that have outstayed their welcome. There's no doubt about that. So we've picked a couple of franchises that we're going to go with. And my choice this time around is The Terminator. I said I'd be back. Now, this one came out, the original, in 1984. You have to go all the way back for that one. Uh, The Terminator was the first time that Arnold Schwarzenegger said that phrase on camera, and he didn't want to say it. He was totally against it. Uh, James Cameron wrote and directed it, and he also wrote with his future wife slash ex-wife, let's put it that way, Gail Ann Hurd. This is one of the very few movies that when I looked at it, this has a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, if you can believe that. That's that's pretty good. 100%, 89% audience score. So that's a mixed bag. Um, Back then, remember, 1984, it made $38.3 million dollars on a $6.4 million budget. Wow. So why not sign up for more of those, right? Exactly. Quick turnaround, get everything together, and let's make another one. Now, T2 Judgment Day. This movie came out in 1991. Once again, cutting edge special effects in this one. The the liquid metal Terminator played by Robert Patrick. Everybody thought that that was like the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. uh, James Cameron came back to produce, write, and direct, and his ex-wife, Gail Ann Hurd, received an executive producer credit on this one. Of course it made more money. Why wouldn't it? Especially even for the time. Uh, you had a great tie-in with a uh, music video and song from Guns N' Roses, who was huge at the time. This one made $205 million on a $102 million budget. So why not? Let's sign up for another one, shall we? Yeah. At some point, you got to say no. Okay. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines came out in 2003. James Cameron wanted nothing to do with this movie, and that should have told them everything. There there was a reason for that. (laughs) Wanted absolutely nothing to do with this movie. The first movie in the franchise to not be certified fresh made $150 million on a $200 million budget. Oh, no. A 46% (laughs) audience score. Okay. So why not? Let's make another one? Why not? You know. I don't know about this one. Okay, Terminator Salvation. By the way, there are six Terminator movies, and we'll talk about coming up here at the end. James Cameron wants to make another one. We'll talk about that here. Uh, but Salvation came out in 2009. Now, this one was the one with Christian Bale. And they grabbed him because he had such a huge success in Batman Begins that came out just four years earlier. All right. Audiences didn't like it. It was the first movie in the franchise without Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it showed. It made $125 million on a $200 million budget. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought that one had a good story. I just don't think they executed it properly. Well, it, and there was a lot of things that went on in the background after the movie came out that, you know, people were saying how Christian Bale was on set and things like that. That's another story for another day, yeah. though. Uh, then in 2015, Genesis. Terminator Genesis. Arnold comes back, and once again... Nobody cares. <laughs> this is the worst reviewed movie in the franchise. A 26% critic score. So that tells me nobody liked this one. Um, $90 million on a $153 million budget. Lost oh, money. That's got to hurt. So that's got to hurt. It's, it can't be good for your pride, for one thing. So let's follow that up one more time, shall we? <laughs> Why not? Six times is the charm, maybe? maybe. I, I don't know. Now, they did. The, they had the right formula on this one. Cameron comes back as producer. They get Linda Hamilton back. They get Arnold Schwarzenegger back. And it kind of helps. But I think that most people just went to this movie for the pure nostalgia of the movie. 
Okay, it was cool to see him back on the screen. Uh, Linda Hamilton comes back, and everything is right with the world. Well, it's still lost money. The audiences did come out to see this one, but still didn't really care for it too much. 82% on an audience score for that. So the thing that I was saying is James Cameron wants to make another one. Why? Because <laughs> he wants to base it on the big boom in AI now. Uh. So we may be getting another Terminator movie Yay. from James Cameron, which may help. But the thing about it is, you got to look at it this way. He's so wrapped up with Avatar movies right now. Oh, yeah. When's he really going to be able to make this movie? Isn't there like 12 Avatars set to come out? I, it's, I, I know there's at least three more in the can that are like in pre-production mm-hmm. and post-production. So who knows? But anyway, Terminator movies probably, I think, sometimes you just need to stop with two. <laughs> And I think that yeah. that would have been a good thing. Uh, one, as we were saying, the, the Terminator movie, the Judgment Day movie, was fabulous. Great oh, yeah. movie. Everybody points to that movie as kind of a turn when it came to special effects in movies. And that's what James Cameron does. So we'll see what he does with this next one. And, and that's kind of my breakdown of Terminator. I think we have too many of those. I would agree. <laughs> All right. And your turn now, Ryan. So I went with Friday the 13th. Can you believe there are 12 of these things? 12. 12 Friday the 13th movies. And out of all the movies, only one director has filmed more than one. Out of 12 movies. That should tell you everything, too, yeah. once so, again. Yeah, so Friday the 13th was uh, created by Victor Miller, who is the, also the co-founder of the American Shakespeare Theater Center for Theater Techniques and Education. So a theater major came up with a mass murder. So, yeah, who said theater was dead? You got to watch out for the quiet ones. Yeah. Yeah. This was owned by Paramount, and now it's owned by Warner Brothers. So, like I said, uh, only one director has directed more than one, and that was Steve Miller. He directed the second and the third movie. And in my opinion, the third movie is when it went down. You know, we start out in 1980, the original Friday the 13th. Jason's not even in it. Not even in it. At the very end. Yeah, well, some people say that's him, some people don't. Well, I I will say this about that part. That was like one of the biggest jump scares I've ever had in my life. So this movie came out in 1980 with a 550K budget. Opening weekend, it made $5.8 million. $39.7 million overall. Talk about incredible numbers. But, like I said, Jason wasn't even in this one. You know, it's about camp counselors who were doing naughty things at the camp and they all get murdered you you know it's a good movie when years later other horror movies are making fun of that movie yeah and the second one uh the second movie uh you know it's about teenagers counselors who uh who are coming to crystal lake to go under training and the main counselor's name is paul and he tells the camp star story about jason and his mother and how they murdered all the kids at the camp and of course they don't believe him and you know and then they start dying off and then in the third movie is when everything just went downhill it picks up the day after the second movie where jason steals clothes kills a local store owner and then um he kills uh, some kids partying in the woods and some bikers. Th- Not a great Now, movie. the thing, and I think this is one of the main reasons that it went downhill. The third one was like the big 3D craze in the 80s. Because it was in 3D. I remember that one. Yeah, it didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. And then they just go on a slew of horrible movies. There's one where he's on a cruise ship. 
Oh, Jason on a cruise ship. What's he going to do? Oh, he's going to kill everybody. And there's Jason in space. I think it was Jason X. Why does he need to be in space? Because he can't get rid of him. Yeah, apparently. And then, you know, there's some standalone movies. You know, uh, Freddy vs. Jason. That one was good. Wasn't amazing, but still it was good. And then the recent Friday the 13th movie came out in 2009. And I, I think there was also one, Jason Takes Manhattan. I mean, I, it was just, uh, let's just put him in different situations and see what happens, I think is what we're trying uh, well, to push for Why not for Jason here. goes to the ice cream parlor? Jason goes to the movies. Then we'd be out of a job. Yeah. But I I don't know. They had their place in time, I think. Same I with Terminator disagree. movies. The, no, no. Too many. There's 12 of them. Well, I know, no. I'm just talking about the Friday the 13th movies in general. Yeah, I think I, people are more, you know, they they like Jason. They're, you know, that's the nostalgia, Jason. Not necessarily the movies. They like the concept of Jason. That's fair. That's fair. I, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. So I, man, it's it's hard between the two. I think that that Friday the Thirteenth really should be over and done with. Yeah. Too many. You know, they're diving in the dumpster for story ideas right now. Yeah, I think it's too many. And it, we'll see where it takes us. I haven't heard anything of a new Friday the 13th movie on the horizon. So maybe that's a good sign. Yeah, it is a good sign. Maybe that's a good sign. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Once again, make sure you get down to Castle Country Radio. Get those tickets for the June 30th premiere of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You're going to get all five Indiana Jones movies. I'm looking forward to this. I don't care if you want to call it nostalgia, Ryan. I don't care what you want to call it. I am looking forward to seeing Harrison Ford on the screen as Indiana Jones. One last ride. One last ride. Seem to be wrapping up a lot of things that this summer with that. So come on down to Castle Country Radio. Get your tickets. Once again, $10.00. All seats are reserved. If you want the VIP treatment, that's going to be $30. You're going to get a popcorn tub. You are going to get a T-shirt, lunch from Rubens, and tickets to the movie. You can't beat that for $30. Bucks. You yeah, can't. I hope they have a T-shirt in my size. Maybe they will. Maybe we'll give you two. Ooh. I might need two as well. That'll do it this week from Dave and Ryan. We'll talk to you next week. And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry. Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. You'll be the first to hear about Transformers Rise of the Beasts, opening June 9th. We'll also take a trip down memory lane and dissect the 1985 cult classic, The Goonies. You can relive today's episode at CastleCountryRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. Dave and Ryan's movie review. Cut. Ah, the hell with it. Send it in. We're done. See you next week.